My name is Alan Bolas, and today's reading comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About five thousand men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about five or fifty. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Our second reading comes from Luke chapter 5, 29 to 34. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their seat complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so did the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is still with them? Well, good morning again. My name is Chris Cullen, and uh, it's a privilege to be a member of this church and to have the opportunity today to lead us in our looking at God's Word. And um, I'll just apologise in advance if for some reason my microphone goes a bit weird. I'm follically challenged uh, compared to our other pastors, not because I can't grow a beard, but because I have one, and it seems to play a bit of havoc with this... Uh, little headset microphone so if there's a problem someone's going to come and hand me a handheld microphone but we'll see how we go now um, I'm trying to get control of the slides here and the presentation went off air according to this that's no good um, so I may not be able to control the slides clicker yes thank you we'll see how we go with that Oh, look at that. Perfect. Thank you, Michael. Our AV team are doing a great job. So at the beginning of the, the uh, message, I mentioned that there was going to be a game that you can play at home. And so um, what it is, is I've got 10 different miracles that are recorded in the Gospels. And all you need to do at home is guess 
is this particular miracle in one gospel, two, three, or four? So how many write about this miracle? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the water into wine, Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana in Galilee. How many do you think? And at home you can maybe raise your hand, one, two, three, four, what do you think? And the answer is one, it's in the book of John. Now at home, extra points if you know the books, the, the gospels that they're written in. The second one is the paralytic who was healed. You know how his friends brought him and opened up the roof and let him down in and Jesus healed him? And so uh, how many Gospels do you think that's in? And the answer to that is three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, the next one is a, a little less common one. Jesus saw a funeral procession going past and he goes, it was a lady whose son, only son, and she was a widow, so there was now no one to look after her. So Jesus raises the son from the dead. How many do you think? The answer is one in the book of Luke. Now, we had this just a couple of weeks ago, so you all know that it's in the book of Luke. Jesus cast a legion of demons out and they went into pigs. How many gospels do you think that is in? The answer to that one, three, Matthew, Mark and Luke. You're seeing a bit of a theme here, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Now this is a bit more obscure, this one as well. Jesus, uh, he saw a fig tree Greg, he saw a fig tree and he wanted to get some fruit from it, but it had no fruit and so he cursed it. And the following day, his disciples saw that the tree was withered. How many Gospels do you think that's written about? And it doesn't sound like a normal miracle, do you? It is in two. Yes, anyone that guessed two, that's correct, in Matthew and Mark. Now, one of my favourites, Jesus calms the storm. Great story. How many Gospels? One, two, three or four? Any takers? It's actually in three. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's those three again. Now, this is an easy one for everyone at home. The resurrection of Jesus. How many do you think? And the answer, of course, is four. All four gospel writers write about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus walking on the water. Again, this is, uh, this is one that's three, but it's not what you might think. I've just given you the answer, but it's actually Matthew, Mark, and John. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Any takers? That would be one. Okay, and now we come to the passage that today is all about, the feeding of the 5,000. I wonder how many this appears in. What do you think at home? One, two, three, four? It actually appears in four. And did you know, and that's the end of our uh, quiz actually, of the 38 miracles recorded explicitly in the Gospels, there are only two which appear in all four, the resurrection of Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000. So who would have guessed that that was the case? I don't know about you, but the, for me, the calming of the storm or the raising of Lazarus seems so much more exciting or dramatic. But... For the early Christian church, this was very important. In fact, they, on their tombs, in, and you can see this today, apparently, I've not been there, but I read about it on the internet, in the catacombs in Rome, 
you can see on the graves of Christians over and over again this motif of the loaves and fishes to mark them out as being Christians from this parable. It's written up in all four Gospels. I think it's worth investigating why this was the case and why this is so important to the early church. Let's pray. Father God, by your hand we receive every good gift. Help us now to receive an understanding of the significance of this miracle of Jesus for our lives today. Melt our hearts with the warmth of your love and spur us to carry your love to all people in the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the big idea of this passage is that there is food for all at the table of the Lord. And really, the table of the Lord is, is not just about physical food. It's, it's a metaphor for the gracious provision of God for all of our physical and spiritual needs. And the takeaway, you like how I did that? We, we can't go and get food at a restaurant unless we get takeaway these days. But the takeaway for us is conversely to come to the table of the Lord and be satisfied. The structure of the passage, well, verses 10 and 11 have the continuation of kingdom ministry which has been taking place. Verses 12 to 14a are the challenge to kingdom ministry that comes in this situation. And verses 15b to 17 are the climax of Christian of kingdom ministry perhaps that's overstating it a tad I don't know although I think it points towards the true climax of kingdom ministry so let's have a think about the passage now this comes verses 10 and 11 comes after last week's passage that we looked at chapter 9 verses 1 to 9 and in that passage as Jonathan brought the message to us last Sunday Jesus sends the 12 disciples out to do ministry as well he's given them an example of how to do ministry and he gives them power and authority to go through the villages preaching the gospel and we're told in verse 6 that they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere and news of what was happening came to the attention of Herod we read then, coming to today's passage in verse 10, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Imagine the stories, the excitement, the joy. I can just maybe picture a little bit of it. Because in 2003, I had the, the privilege of going with a group of young adults from Riverston Baptist Church over to Cambodia on a mission trip. And it, it was really sort of a bit of a fact-finding trip for us. It was for young adults to experience a cross-cultural ministry setting. Um, so there was a lot of learning going on. But we also did a little bit of ministry. And the stories when we came back... It was fantastic. Everyone on the team had a story. But can you imagine this circumstance where Jesus 
has sent the disciples out, ordinary, unschooled men, fishermen, some of them, a tax collector, and they went out into the villages and they were healing people. Jesus gave them authority over diseases and over evil spirits, over demons. And they were preaching the gospel. Can't you just imagine when they came back, they would have been saying things like, did you see that woman with a crippled arm? How we prayed and and she was able to stretch her arm out and use it again? Or things like, did you see that time when that, that young man was possessed by a demon and, and we prayed and, and the demon left him? You can imagine, can't you, how incredibly exciting it would have been for the disciples. But not only the excitement and joy, but I'm sure having been through that, they would have been exhausted emotionally, spiritually, maybe physically exhausted. And so Jesus pulls them apart. He says, let's, let's go somewhere to a quiet place so that I can give you some, some fuel, some refreshing, so that you can then minister again. That's a great example for us in Christian ministry. It's difficult to go it alone, but when you do things in a team, it's so much better. And, and having done hard ministry, worked hard in tiring circumstances, it's great to, to then pull aside as a group and to find refreshing, to come to Jesus and to be refueled. Unfortunately, when the crowds learned where Jesus was, they followed him. And you might think at that point that Jesus would have been frustrated and annoyed by their presence, that that maybe he might have said to them, well, you know, look, I really need to establish some boundaries here. Today is our day off. I need to spend a bit of time with my disciples. You guys can all come back tomorrow. But he doesn't. He welcomes them. We can learn so much from the attitude of Jesus. Kingdom ministry is about being available to people. In our own ministries, we need to have patience and loving kindness to welcome those who are hurting, who are confused, people in need of healing and grace. If only we could have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Sadly, in our world today, so many people look at the church and they think that it's a place of condemnation and judgment. But Jesus welcomes the crowd. He welcomes those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who need their sins forgiven. So the continuation of kingdom ministry goes on. It's been happening through the disciples in the villages. And now, as the crowd comes, Jesus continues the ministry of the kingdom of God. But there's a problem, a challenge that occurs. You see, because they're there in the wilderness, in a desolate place, and um, it says they went to Bethsaida, but then later in the passage it we're told 
that the disciples say we're here in a desolate place so they must have gone to Bethsaida first and then gone out somewhere where they could get quietness and peace so that Jesus could spend time with his disciples so they are now in the middle of nowhere and the disciples recognize that there's this huge crowd of people in fact we're told in verse 14 that there were about 5,000 men and so that doesn't include women and children as well an enormous crowd in the middle of nowhere and the day's been going on and it's getting late and the disciples are worried how are these people all going to eat some of them aren't even from this district they'll need to find places to stay for the night Jesus just tell them to go and get some food in the surrounding villages we can come back to the ministry tomorrow hang on a minute Jesus in the preceding chapter has said to his disciples my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it and then he's demonstrated to them about ministry he's calmed the storm he's showed his power over creation he's healed the man possessed by a legion of demons his power over spiritual forces he's healed the woman who is bleeding for 12 years and then he's raised a 12 year old girl from the dead his power over sickness and death and then he sends them out to do ministry as well and they go out and they're healing people and preaching the word of God the kingdom of God and they've got this problem all of these people maybe they were overwhelmed by the number of people because they'd gone out with Jesus power and authority and they'd been healing people but when you heal people that's a sort of a a transaction with one person if you want to transactions probably not the right word but you know what I mean that's a a miracle for one person but here were thousands and thousands of people it was overwhelming to them and they didn't understand and Jesus says to them you give them something to eat now that's not a suggestion that's not Jesus saying have you got any food guys oh thanks for thanks for alerting me to the problem um, is there any food that we can share with these thousands of people that's not at all what Jesus is saying this is a command of Jesus it's emphatic you give them something to eat previously he sent them out with power and authority to cast out demons and to heal people of their diseases and now he says you give them something to eat but they're still overwhelmed they don't get it you know the feeding of the 5,000 could have been a miracle that God did through the disciples but they didn't understand they were overwhelmed by the meager physical resources that they had five loaves and two fish and they couldn't see and even when they started to think about it they thought oh, we don't even have enough money to buy food for all these people they'd forgotten things that had already occurred in Luke chapter 5 they were at their fishing boats after a hard night of fishing and they'd caught nothing and Jesus gets into the boat to teach the people from the shoreline and then afterwards he says go out and 
put your nets over the side and Peter grumbles and says oh master we worked all night and we didn't catch anything Peter the master fisherman didn't catch anything but he does it and they bring in this miraculous haul of fish had the disciples remembered how God provided that huge catch of fish you feed them you give them something to eat they're in a desolate place a wilderness have they forgotten the history of Israel how the people of God a long time earlier were wandering in a wilderness and God provided manna for them from heaven you give them something to eat says Jesus my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it this was a command from Jesus they heard the word of God but unfortunately they didn't grasp the opportunity when Jesus commands us to do something he will give us the power and authority to do it just as he did when he sent the 12 to preach the kingdom and to heal so don't miss that opportunity don't let a challenge to kingdom ministry allow you to take your eyes off Jesus it might be that you see a need and you think we don't have the people here at church to meet that need or we're not meeting budget how are we ever going to pay for this if Jesus commands us to do something he will give us the power and authority to do it so don't miss that opportunity now that's got to be done with discernment we can't just oh I've heard a voice from God hey we've got to do this we use discernment we seek Jesus in the scriptures and make sure that this is something that Jesus is commanding us to do but he will always he will always give us the power to do what he has called us to do and so we come now to the the climax of this story the, the moment that this whole narrative has been driving towards as we see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 from five loaves and two fish and Jesus helps us to think about the enormity of their task because he says to his disciples have them sit down in groups of about 50 each and they did so and they had them all sit down ponder this for a moment 5,000 people sitting in groups of about 50 that's a hundred groups a hundred groups and they had five loaves and two fish now we think about a loaf of bread is about this big but probably the loaves of bread that the boy had because remember one of the other gospel accounts tells us that the five loaves and two fish were the lunch that one of the boys had brought a young boy so these are probably not big loaves of bread like we buy in the supermarkets today these are probably little loaves like we might call them maybe dinner rolls or something like that but even if you imagined that the the boy had big loaves of bread like we buy in the shops today 
normally a loaf of bread has about 20 slices, doesn't it? And there were five loaves, so there's 100 groups. So that's one loaf for every 20 groups. So 20 groups for one loaf. Most loaves of bread these days have about 20 slices, so that's one slice of bread for each group. Each group of 50 men plus women and children. You can see how big the task is. And there's just no way that you, you, can't, you can't massage this and say, well, it wasn't really a miracle. They just they shared out a little bit with everyone. It was like communion. You, could, you know, they just took a little piece of bread like you get at communion. No, <laughs> you can't massage it like that. It was a true miracle because we're told at the end that they gathered up all the leftover pieces after everyone was satisfied and there was 12 baskets full of leftover food. How does five little bread rolls and two fish become 12 baskets full of leftover food? Plus more than 5,000 people ate and were satisfied. It gives you a sense of how incredible this miracle was. And I think because it happened with such a large group of people, there were lots of people who witnessed it, who took part in the miracle. So you can understand why the early church probably thought a lot about this miracle because there were probably people in the early church that were there, not just the 12 disciples, but think about the 3,000 people who believed, who repented and believed on the day of Pentecost. Don't you think some of those were probably there when Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus in this miracle demonstrates how he is standing in the prophetic tradition. Way back in 2 Kings chapter 4, the prophet Elisha, God uses the prophet Elisha and feeds a 100 men with 20 loaves of barley and a sack full of fresh ears of grain. And at the time, when you read that passage, they're they're saying, how could you possibly feed 100 men with this? But God multiplied the food. And here Jesus is standing in that prophetic tradition. And like the prophets of old, but not just like the prophets of old, like God himself, who fed the Hebrew people in the wilderness as they wandered for 40 years. Jesus, it wasn't manna, it was loaves and fishes that were multiplied under the hand of Jesus. And there's a graciousness that is displayed here as well. You know, the disciples, they'd They'd come back so excited from their, their ministry to the villagers. And it must have been deflating for them when Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they think, how do we do that? We don't know what to do. We can't do that. We don't even have enough money to buy food. But Jesus graciously involves them in the miracle that he performs by saying, Here, you take and distribute the food. He restores them to ministry. Uh, All of us are going to make mistakes. We're all human. 
and in ministry we make mistakes and it's really important that as the church that we have a, a graciousness towards people towards one another that we restore people to ministry when they've made a mistake that we increase their faith that we encourage them to increase their faith that's what Jesus does here with the disciples but there's so much more to this even it's not just the physical feeding of five to ten thousand people because there's an element in Luke's gospel where he often brings through a, a motif about the table in the Jewish culture of the day eating meals together was really important and there was a lot of social boundaries and a lot of ritual connected with eating meals the the Jewish people particularly the Pharisees had all of these rules about how you had to wash before you ate ceremonial rules about being clean all tied back to the Levitical rules but they'd added lots of other things and it was commonplace for homes to have jars of water which were specially set aside for the purification rites in fact at the wedding in Cana in Galilee Jesus takes the water that's in well he asks the servants to fill the the jars that are for ceremonial purification and he turns that water into wine but most Jewish households would have had those sorts of jars of water so that before a meal they could wash and be clean and so there were all these rules around that but there were also rules about who could sit at the table with you who it was right to associate with and and at what place you would sit whether you would sit up near the host or whether you would be further away depending on how important you were and in Luke chapter 5 Jesus meets at the the home of Levi Levi who was a tax collector a hated traitor to his nation and Jesus calls Levi to follow him and and Levi invites Jesus to his home and Jesus is there and we're told that there was a large gathering of other tax collectors and other people and in those days a, a banquet or a feast like that was a public event um, there would be people who were invited who would have a seat around the table as it were but there would be other people who would be on the sidelines it was like a spectator sport and so there were Pharisees we're told and scribes of the Pharisees who were there at that feast of Levi and they said to the disciples of Jesus why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners because for them this was just wrong you've cleaned yourself ceremonially for a meal and then you're associating with people who are not clean who are sinful and Jesus responds those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick in other words those who are sick have need of a physician I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance Jesus is saying these are the people that I'm here for 
I'm here for the tax collectors. I'm here for the sinners. I'm here for the greedy. I'm here for those who are caught in adultery. I'm here for those who gossip. I'm here for the thieves. A little later in Luke chapter 7, Jesus is at the house of a Pharisee. And he's reclining at the table with the Pharisee. And a woman who is known to be a sinful woman comes and sits at his feet. And she's so overcome with the forgiveness that she's received or about to receive. She's, she's weeping. And she wets Jesus' feet with her tears. And she wipes his feet with her hair. And she anoints his feet with expensive ointment. And the Pharisee is aghast. How, how can you allow this woman to touch you so intimately when she is a sinner? And Jesus graciously rebukes the Pharisee and tells him that this woman loves much because she's been forgiven much. And he says to her again that her sins are forgiven and to go in peace. Jesus breaks down all the conventions of Jewish society. And here he is with 5,000 people, more than 5,000. Did they get them all to line up and wash ceremonially before they ate? Did they distribute jars of water so that they could wash? Were they worried about... Dividing people up into those who were clean and those who were unclean because there were various Levitical reasons why you could be unclean. Do they do any of that? No. Jesus offers to all these people to come and eat at his table. The table of the Lord is open to all. There's a free invitation to everyone to come and to receive from God the grace that he gives. You'd almost think that all of those things that the Pharisees were worried about, that none of that matters to Jesus, that, that anyone's invited to come and eat at his table, that God welcomes all sinners to his banquet feast. What an extraordinary thought and what a remarkable demonstration of the welcoming grace of God in the feeding of this huge crowd of people that they are welcome to sit with Jesus and eat at his table. The kingdom of God means good news for the poor, food for the hungry. In fact, Jesus' mother Mary in her song of joy in Luke chapter 1 talks about the hungry being fed and Jesus picks that theme up himself in Luke chapter 6. And then we're told that the table of the Lord finishes and all are satisfied. There are 12 baskets of food left over. The provision of Jesus is abundant and generous totally undeserved and offered freely to all. I want to read from the commentary of J.C. Ryle about this passage. 
who were the crowd who surrounded our Lord in this remote place, poor and helpless and without any food. This is a picture of mankind. We are a company of poor sinners in the middle of a wicked world without strength or power to save ourselves and in great danger of dying from spiritual famine. Who is the gracious teacher who had compassion on this starving multitude in the wilderness and said to his disciples, give them something to eat? It is Jesus himself, always compassionate and kind, always ready to show mercy even to the ungrateful and evil. He has not changed. He is still the same today. High in heaven at God's right hand, he looks down on the vast multitude of starving sinners who cover the face of the earth. He still has compassion on them and cares for them. He still feels their helplessness and need. And he still says to his believing followers, you give them something to eat. Who are these disciples who received the loaves and fishes from Christ's hand and took them to the crowds until all were full? They are a picture of all faithful Christians and proclaimers of the gospel. Their work is simple but deeply important. And I'm going to just change J.C. Ryle's words for a moment to personalise this to us. We are a picture of all faithful proclaimers of the gospel. Our work is simple but deeply important. We are appointed to set before women and children and men the provision that Christ has made for their souls. We are not commissioned to give anything of ourselves. Everything we give to people must come from Christ's hands. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gracious provision for all of our needs. That on the cross, you took our sin. That you welcome us to your table. We thank you that there is food for all who will come and receive it. And what, may we be people who take this gracious provision and share it with others. That they may come and be satisfied at the table of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.